What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at the Podville Media Studios here in downtown Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Chris Farley, excited for another episode of Pace the Nation, another episode where I am alone in studio. But I've got Julie Cully, my wife co-host, back home in Arlington. How are you doing, Julie? I'm great. I'm here. It's a beautiful day. It's a Friday. You got our young son, Julian. Is he there too? How's he doing? He's doing great. He's sleeping right now, which is always a grateful moment as a mom. I would say a young mother, but I don't think I can use that term. I'm not a young mother. I'm not young. <laughs> no? I am a mother. He's young. I'm not young. Well, he's about a month old now. And we introduced Julian John to the world last time on the podcast. How's it going? It's going. Yeah, he's great. I think that baby number three, you start to figure things out a little bit. You know, I say that and I'll probably jinx myself. And He'll be crying the entire uh, episode here. Yeah, or the entire night tonight. I'm like, oh, I got this. I totally understand what his cry means and what he needs at any given moment. And then he'll throw me for a loop later today. But things are really good. He is a great baby. He's gaining weight and can't ask for much more than that at this point. Awesome. Well, we are excited about today's show. We've got an awesome guest joining us today in studio. He'll be joining me in studio in just a few moments. It's our buddy, our mutual friend here, a really inspiring coach here in Washington, D.C. It's Coach Desmond Dunham. He is the director of cross-country and track and field at St. John's College High School here in Washington, D.C. He's got a new book out. It's Running Against the Odds by Desmond Dunham. So super excited to have Desmond in studio. And Desmond, you know, he's a coach, uh, cross-country, track coach. He and I and you've worked together on many projects. Our biggest project together is the DCXE invite that we have every fall pre-COVID. And he's the race director for that and puts on just an inspiring event with our team. Hopefully we can, you know, get that going again next year. Cause you as a college coach, you would go to this race and recruit, see all the pageantry that was all about the DCXC. It was just an awesome event that basically he ran the show. Yeah. I think DCXC really brings together all of his experiences and his passion too which is what makes that event even more special, having him as the race director. It's really his vision alongside of Pacers. And yeah, we got to get that going again. All right, Julie, we're really excited about the next guest. His book is Running Against the Odds. Coach Desmond Dunham joins us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined in studio. Well, I'm in studio. Julie is at home in Arlington by a friend of ours. It's Coach Desmond Dunham. Coach Desmond, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you, Chris. Great to see you in person, man. In this person, is in person. Yes, uh, back in action again. Yeah. Sorry, Julie isn't with us today, but you are Miss Julie. Yes, but you can hear us, right, Julie? You can hear us loud and clear. I can hear you guys. And she's got the kid at home. We've talked about that a number of times on the podcast. You know how she's never going to come back to studio now because it's so much easier (laughs) just to do it from home. But we're really excited about Coach Dez here in studio. Man, he's a legendary coach here in the Washington, D.C. area with so many things that you've done. And we want to talk about a lot of those things. But I want to talk about this book, man, Running Against the Odds. 
It's Coach Desmond Dunham's first book, a new degree press book. I mean, this thing is official. I'm looking at the cover here. It is official. Man, how exciting is this? Oh, it's super exciting. It's a dream come true. Why did you decide to write the book? Well, one of the main things I wanted to do was to magnify my reach. This felt like I've been touching a lot of lives and to have the opportunity to touch even more lives through words and also just to kind of staple my legacy in the coaching world, leaving my mark for my family, my friends, those who have supported me. And the book is all about if I can change one life, then it's all the more worth it. Yeah. And it is running against the odds. Again, it's an inspirational journey making high school sports history. The book, when this podcast is released, should be out there for all the world to buy. And I'm sure you can Correct. get it wherever yes, yes. books are sold, right? Amazon. All um, those places. Yes, yep. Yes. Pacers running. You can buy them there. Oh, so I come love by, it. Oh, come by, yes, come yes. by our stores and you can check it out. Awesome. Was there a book that inspired you to write this? I would actually say one of my athletes inspired me to write it. I remember a little bit more than a decade ago, one of my athletes, after I had given one of my inspirational talks, said, Coach, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. Other people need to hear this story. And what they were saying was that it went beyond the team, that others need to be inspired. And that really resonated with me. And then I've heard it again and again. And about seven years ago, I remember driving with my wife and we were coming back from a family reunion. And I told her I would love to write a book. How did she take that? So I don't think we knew that it was going to be such an arduous task. Yeah, it's an endeavor. <laughs> oh, it's an and, endeavor. And, and for those who don't know, Coach Des has got a lot going on. So <laughs> your wife must have been like, oh, man. Yeah. Well, so when she agreed to it, okay. she had no idea what she was getting herself into. <laughs> and so 18 and a half months later, wow. here we are. And, you know, there's a glowing stat where only 2% of all authors actually complete their book. Awesome. And so to be among the... 2%. Yes. yes. Man, that is yes. awesome. Well, I want to talk about the process. I want to get to that, but let's touch on the book. We'll tease the audience. You know, it's a story of your life and it starts from your childhood. Kind of tell us about your running and sports background growing up. Yeah, the book is a memoir and it is a story within a story and it chronicles my journey through life. And it starts with my childhood and the title, Running Against the Odds. I really try to highlight some of those challenges that I went through that others may be able to relate to. And I went through the fact that I had a speech impediment. You know, at one point I really loved school, but then school became in some form or fashion humiliating, being pulled out of class and those who knew that I had this speech impediment. So one day I said, hey, I want to make sure that I'm a public speaker. And I wanted to overcome that odd. I mean, you are a, you are an educator <laughs> yeah, and a coach. Yes, yes. I mean, that's crazy yeah, that you were yeah. pulled out of school yeah, as a youngster. Yeah, yeah. I also have dyslexia. So that was another challenge I wanted to overcome by writing a book. I dealt with my dad, who is no longer with us, who was a Vietnam veteran, dealt with a lot of PTSD from being on the front line in Vietnam. And... His experiences, unfortunately, carried over to our home. There became some traumatic experiences for my mother as well as my sister. So you were very transparent in this book, which I think is awesome, but hard to do and kind of brave. I mean, you talk about your father, 
being an alcoholic. I mean, tell us a little bit about that and how tough was that growing up? Oh, it was super tough. You know, I recall stories where my sister and I, we were left in the back of a vehicle while he made run into a bar three hours later, wow. you know, 95, 98 degrees outside. Mm. And the only time he's come to one of my little league baseball games, he was inebriated. And that almost turned out to be a fight between him and the umpire. And, oh, no. <laughs> and so it was some pretty embarrassing moments. But, you know, I think in life, it's really important for us to be vulnerable. It's important for us to tell our story so that others have the permission. And I think mainly where a person just doesn't feel lonely. I felt like I had a lot of lonely times, although I had a lot of love surrounding me with my extended family and my mother and my sister, but a lot of lonely times where I thought I was the only one going through a lot of these issues that I had as a child. Now, Julie, in the audience, Desmond is the most positive person, you know, always upbeat, great smile. I mean, that surprises me that you would have this struggles in your childhood because a lot of those stories don't end up in a good spot. That's very true. And I've always had a lot of my runners, parents, students to look at me as being this invincible guy and, and just have it all figured out and just have had this red carpet rolled out. And I think that's part of the story to, you know, I want my kids to understand that you're going to go through some challenges. And, and I think I'm kind of talking about this in the book where I'm using running as a metaphor in a lot of cases so that it really hits home for even some of your non-runners to relate to some of the stories. Des, tell me a little bit about who were those positive influences? Like when you look back to your childhood, like who was it that kept redirecting you in the right direction? I mean, first and foremost, it was my mother. She used to work 24 to 28 hour shifts to make sure my sister and I had everything we needed. And I mean, she was just a pillar. I was also raised by aunts, grandmother, and really top heavy with women. I also had a high school coach who, so after being cut from three school teams, elementary basketball, middle school basketball, and get this, middle school cross country. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't even happen too often, but um, they, <laughs> they wanted to have a small roster. Yeah. It's kind of like you show yeah, up and you're yeah, on the team. Right. It must've been something really bad about you then. I, I wish I could see this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But coach really didn't want to work hard. So yeah. kept a small roster. So I really had a sour taste. And, and so it turned out that I wanted to be a basketball player. Mm -hmm. And I was told that you have to run cross country or play football in order to make the basketball team. At that time, I was about 120-something. Yep. And so no way I was playing football. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out for cross country, and who would have known that changed the entire trajectory of my life. My high school coach became my father figure. He just has been just amazing in terms of providing that additional guidance that I needed at the time. It is amazing. And high school coaches can do that. And that's so great that you wrote the book because you do that for a lot of kids. And you don't even realize that as a coach. Maybe you do because you had that experience, but you don't realize the impact you can have on these kids, right? 100%. Yes. So the book is Running Against the Odds. Coach Desmond Dunham, he's been such a successful coach in this area. And we'll get into some of the things that you've done. But before we do that, you wanted to be the basketball player. You grew up in Gary, Indiana, where Correct. basketball was everything. So you go out for cross country. You're trying to play basketball. 
what steered you ultimately to running? Were you just not good enough in basketball? I got or? cut again in okay. basketball. <laughs> okay. But of course, you hear Michael Jordan's story. Of course. And, and that gives you a little bit more inspiration. But it was just something special about running. I was a competitive baseball all-star player. But from my tryout through my first year running cross country, I knew it was something special. And it was the first time that I had really challenged myself. And you know this, I mean, being a runner yourself, that it's you against yourself and you have to have that internal fortitude. And I really learned a lot about myself. So while those other sports were more fun and games, this was a little bit more serious. And I just absolutely love the rewards that came from it. It was just such a phenomenal feeling that I was getting. And then my coach, he really pushed for a brotherhood on the team. So I started to realize that was developing this extended family. And it just was an amazing experience. So you ultimately run college. You end up here, right here in our nation's capital, as we record here in Washington, D.C., over at Howard. How'd you get to Howard from Gary, Indiana? So I had some family that left Gary. They moved out here. I had an aunt who was dating someone who was at Howard, and they just kind of planted the seed that I should take a look at it came up on campus, had a great talk, met with the coach. He was really shocked with the times I was running. I think I had just run 1615. So he was ecstatic and he opened up the door. I came in as an engineering major, thought that that's what I wanted to do. But after sitting behind a computer for so long, <laughs> I thought I wanted to be around people more. So I just kind of stumbled upon Howard, to be honest. And it was absolutely one of the best decisions I had ever made. And, you know, this is a historically black university coached by legendary Olympic runner, David Oliver. Yes. So, you know, big time program now with him there. But when you were there, were there many distance runners? There were not many distance runners. So I was a commodity. That's why I ran everything from the 800 to the 10K. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. the coach, loved, and who was the coach there? It was William P. Moultrie. Okay. And he's had an illustrious career. He was also an Olympic coach. And he did some things where he coached football at Stanford and they won the Rose Bowl. Wow. And so, I mean, his background and accolades were just phenomenal. Wow. So was it a straight line of success when you were there at Howard? Ooh, I wish. I, I, <laughs> it goes back to the title, Yeah, <laughs> running against the odds. I felt like I entered college just a bit underprepared. That's coming from Gary, Indiana. Gary, that's another obstacle had to overcome. It was the homicide capital of the U.S. during the 90s. And one area that suffered a bit was the educational system. And so there was just not a lot poured into Gary as the steel industry started to decline and started to close down. You can see where property value went down and when property value goes down and then there's some redlining and rezoning and just didn't really have that focus in high school the way I should have. And that spilled over to college. Mm -hmm. And so um, the other thing was that um, Gary was 98, 99% African-American, but we didn't have a cultural curriculum that fit the audience. And so I always say this, if you don't know where you come from, you have no idea where you're going. And so just kind of entered Howard a bit lost. And it was just one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had in terms of just the cultural building. It made me really appreciate who I was 
And then appreciating who I am really spilled over into me appreciating who everyone else is. Yeah. And did Howard, do you feel like change your idea of who you could be, what you could be being surrounded by such a successful group of people? I would say that I was a ship in the middle of the um, ocean and just didn't have a rudder, didn't have any direction. Knew I had massive potential, but just didn't have that full guidance. And getting to Howard, surrounding myself around others who had some things figured out, I had to make that decision. I had to audit my circle of folks. And, you know, energy can't be created nor destroyed. It can be transferred. And I wanted to be around someone and groups of folks who could transfer some positive things onto me. And I was very fortunate to connect with some guys early who helped me to set some short-term, long-term goals. And I was a sponge, man. I was soaking it all in. And from just the cultural awareness of who I was as a person, as a Black person in America, dealing with some of the racial disparities and overcoming some experiences myself, you know, just being a Black man in America, it really helped me to identify better who I was and do a better job of playing my role to make things right for not my people, but for everyone. And those are the types of things that have carried over for me as a coach. And I think that's what also makes me a lot better at what I do from the seeds that were planted when I was at Howard. Desmond, your story is so profound and we're still uncovering your story right now. And I cannot wait to read the book. I also have to put a plug in that I pre-ordered the book, Chris Farley. Ah, so nice. <laughs> I was one of those people that jumped on the second I saw Thank it. You. Thank I you very much. <laughs> I've had lots of conversations with Desmond about the book along the way, but talk to us a little bit about your journey since Howard. How did you get into coaching and what were some of those stops along the way? So I actually thought I was going to medical school. I stayed at Howard for graduate studies to do a post-bac. I'm actually published in biomedical research at Indiana University, Purdue University, IUPUI. And so I started to take a turn towards this medical doctor side. But at the same time, I had started coaching. When I was at Howard, I started a program called Each One Teach One. It was something just kind of stumbled upon where I took some of my residents. I was an RA, resident assistant, and about five of us went over to the local elementary school to uh, tutor some of the students. And fast forward, about a year later, the school lost its funding. So they no longer had any specials in terms of extracurriculars or foreign languages. So I got the bright idea (laughs) where we would reach out to other Howard students I had also just met Jamie, who became my chief volunteer. So she took over the operations. And fast forward about a little bit over a year, we had 100 plus students that was tutoring, mentoring, and helping out at Gage Eckington Elementary School, which was right there in the Howard community. So it was just something special about that feeling of changing lives through the school system and through Gage Eckington. And so kind of parked that, that was a program that I grew really close. I was very fond of. It was just an amazing experience. So then when I finished the post-bac program at Howard, I then started teaching physical science at Archbishop Carroll, where I had a one-year stint there. And that was just supposed to be a gap year for me. I had done well on my MCATs. 
I got accepted to a couple of programs. Then teaching physics and chemistry, it was something special about that. And I was also coaching cross country as well. So I just started really getting raveled into the educational realm and to the community. And when it was time for me to leave, to go to, I was going to do a one-year medical post-baccalaureate program at IUPUI that gave me automatic admissions to medical school. And well, it was a sign from God. The first time I was going to orientation, my truck stops on the ramp, getting off the ramp to go to BWI. Wow. And so a day later, I was supposed to leave. And I had a conversation heart to heart with my mother. And she says, baby, you got to do what you love to do. And it was always this tug of war. If I wanted to go to medical school, if I wanted to continue to teach and coach, and the teaching and coaching won out, and I had my mother's blessing, so that's all wow. she wrote. so yeah. you just decided to say, you called them and said, I'm not coming. It was a tough conversation. Yeah, that's hard. Um, one of my mentors became my pediatrician, and they also knew that at the time that the field was really struggling in terms of producing black men into the medical field, and so... I was someone that they really centered a lot of resources around. So it was a pretty tough conversation. Wow. wow. <laughs> but, you know, fast forward and he really appreciates the things that I'm doing now. And we do have a great it relationship. It was ultimately <laughs> the, the, the right decision. Yes. That's a great story. I got to read the book uh, as well. But all right. So we didn't get to the stops along the way. So okay. tell me all your coaching stops. Okay. So I think the foundation was put with the Each One Teach One tutorial mentorship yep. program. That was just something that was a special place for me and just an amazing feeling that I had with coaching and mentoring and teaching at a local elementary school. Okay. So if we fast forward from there, I started in graduate school coaching at St. Gabriel's. Okay. So then it was St. Gabriel's and then I added on Archbishop Carroll for a one-year stint. Then after that one year, I expanded St. Gabriel's into the D.C. Red Wings which we grew from 18 runners to 130 plus runners. And that's a club cross country? That's a junior Olympic club, cross country and track track program. We were one of the only serious cross country programs in the the, uh, DC area. Awesome. And then that wasn't enough for me. So I picked up a third team, which was Clark Elementary School. I started working at Clark two years after I left Archbishop Carroll. So I was coaching three teams at one time. Wow. So eventually, I left Clark after some years, and I became an athletic director at Paul Charter School. And then I wanted something else. I wanted to coach on the high school level. I had always been hearing about pin relays yep. and some of the other bigger high school meets. And a lot of my younger kids were getting older. So I kind of wanted to move up with some of them. So I stopped coaching at St. Gabriel's. I was coaching the D.C. Red Wings, and then I moved over to Eleanor Roosevelt High School. And I was there for five years. So eventually it became a little bit much. As you all can understand, in 2005, my wife and I, we had our first child and that changed everything. So then I was just coaching the one program, which was Eleanor Roosevelt High School. Okay. And then your journey went to college. I thought that's where I wanted to land. (laughs) It was great being at Maryland. And at the time they were in the ACC and It was a big role. I was a recruiting coordinator. I became the head cross-country coach there. 
I was also the assistant distance coach. And I realized that it was great to be, as Julie can attest, it was great to be a college coach, but it wasn't where I felt like my sweet spot was. It was something that I felt like I was missing. I had phenomenal relationships with my student athletes, but I wanted to continue to work with a group that I felt like I could plant more and better seeds and have more of an impression of who they are and who they will become later on in life. And so after four years at Maryland, it was evident that I wanted to move back to the high school level. Yep. And that led you to Wilson? Woodrow Wilson Woodrow High Wilson, where you still teach today. Correct. And now he ultimately is the director and head coach of track and cross country at St. John's College High School. Yes. So this space of distance running is predominantly white. And race plays a role in your story. And a lot of the coaches, a lot of the athletes are white. And you're not. I mean, how much has that been a part of you and coaching and how impactful can you be on some of the African-American kids or any race kid that you have? Yes. I always just try to make sure that I'm being the best example possible. Unfortunately, when you have a dad with demons and someone you're supposed to look up to and idolize, dealing with a lot of struggles and Gary really struggled overall. And to be honest, a lot of our black men struggled. I mean, we just have not spent enough on the early childhood to try to break some of these cycles that were created from over 300 years of slavery. And some of these things are just being perpetuated over and over in terms of challenges that we have as a African-American community. And so if I can be a beacon of light, a beacon of hope, by just being out front and setting the example. I want others to realize that no matter what the hand you're dealt is how you play that hand. And if I can be that role model for a lot of our aspiring younger African-American kids, I do own that. But as you said, I want to change lives with everyone. I mean, we're all human. We all want to have love, peace, and happiness. And I think that Sometimes we're missing that. I mean, teamwork makes the dream work in everything that you do. So if we can just pull everyone up and give everyone an equal opportunity, we'll definitely find out that there's a lot more happiness for everyone. I mean, what was remarkable about the D.C. Red Wings was the fact that we had a ton of inner city kids, but we also had kids coming from Thurmont. We even had a family coming from West Virginia to train with us on the weekends. But it was a very super diverse program. And frankly, this is one reason why we were one of the top cross-country junior Olympic programs in the country. And we won several All-American awards, several team awards. But no doubt about it, our program was a melting pot for various cultural backgrounds, race backgrounds. And it became our strength. It became our superpower. And we did some amazing things. And it still holds a special place in my heart. And not only did you build this inclusive environment, you had some really fast runners too um, <laughs> throughout wherever you've been. You were named the coach of the decade by the Gazette from 2000 to 2010. You had a history-making 4 by 8 squad who ran the national record of 8.43. A couple of pin relays, like incredible experiences in 2007, 2008, I believe that was with Eleanor Roosevelt. 
unbelievable career with producing athletes who run at the next level. What are you more proud of? Like the inclusivity or all these people who've you've put on into college and have really run fast? So 2007, historical moment, you know, I tell that story. It culminates the end of the book where we're going against the Jamaicans and 100% the odds are against us. But I think what stands out more is finding out later on the impact that I've had with some of our student athletes. Recently, I had a conversation with two sisters, Shalawa Adenikinju, Abedimi Adenikinju. They're sisters. One went to Princeton, one went to Miami. They struggled initially making that commitment to go to an Ivy League school. They both are now practicing doctors, and they attest the fact that when they were going through the hard times in medical school, that they were thinking back to the training, thinking back to their experiences, and no doubt about the fact that they give reverence to the workouts and (laughs) developing just that chip on their shoulders where they knew at some point they were going to become medical doctors. But we have stories of those who receive their PhDs. They've also become teachers, coaches, own their own business. So those are the special stories. Those are the true success stories where it goes beyond the running field. It goes beyond the track that we're planting these seeds for them to do better in life and to change some lives themselves. All right, but we did sort of just gloss over a little bit about the pen relays. <laughs> For the audience who doesn't know, tell us about pen relays. Well, you know, pen relays is the uh, Super Bowl of uh, high school track yeah. and field. And they invite the Jamaicans to come in and they're very dominant. So we went into pen relays wanting to come out on top. And this is again your Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor team. Roosevelt. Yep. In 2007. 2007. Yep. 2006, we, we got our butt kicked. Yep. And the headline of the sports page, we were not ready for the Jamaicans. And so at that time in 2007, the Jamaicans had won 19 of the last 20 titles in the 4 by 8 19 of the last 20. And here it was that we were actually gunning for them in the 4 by 8 and the 4x4, four four, and they have won 15 of the last 21 on the 4x4 four 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 four. side. Wow. So we went in there with some pretty <laughs> challenging uh, tasks. And there. how many people are watching this event? So close to 40,000. In the stadium. In the oh stadium. In the stadium. And it was being streamed. So right. you, you had yeah. thousands more yeah. that was watching it live stream. Wow. And then your team came out on top. We'll just tease that. That's one of the final stories <laughs> in the book, right? It is, it is yeah. certainly a David and Goliath yeah. story. Des, tell me how many more years you're planning on coaching, because I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a newborn baby, and I want them to be coached by Desmond Dunham. I want them to be part of your program. I'm just so amazed at the way you touch people's lives now. Can you talk to us a little bit about the kids' programs and how you've designed them and the camps and such that you're a part of? Well, in terms of kids' elite sports, I guess the impetus for that was my own kids' experiences within camps. And and I'll never forget going to a 10U soccer tryout with my son. And it was the most nerve-wracking experience for him. It had mounds and mounds of tension with the parents, the 100-plus kids that were trying out. And all I can remember was the fact that when I reflected on my experience as a Division I track and cross country runner, that 
I didn't even feel that much tension that he was feeling. And I just really felt like sports have just really gotten warped in terms of what it has to offer. And so started Kids Elite. We had 10 kids with this model of let's build and develop life skills and lessons through sports. Let's get kids back to enjoying playing sports and learning sports and learning how to be competitive, but in the most sportsman-like way. And now we fast forward and we're, we're serving close to a thousand kids throughout the DMV area. It's a dream come true. And it feels great that we're planting seeds where kids are going to live healthier lives, even when they leave the doors of Kids Elite, where they're going to have more of an appreciation for sports and who they are and also learn how to work as a team member with others. All right. So you didn't realize this book was going to be such a difficult task that it was. No no idea. So the family must have supported you (laughs) the whole way, or did they kind of turn on you halfway through? You You said 18 months or 20 months to do it. 18 and a half. And, you know, one thing definitely stands out. I I have a lot of repair work to do. My daughter loves to write. And after she saw me go through this, (laughs) I think she's thinking about another career. And so she says, Daddy, you're always stressed. And I mean, it was pretty challenging. Now, a lot of late nights, 2, 3, 5 a.m. in the morning, because I always want to make sure I'm doing my part at home. Yep. I also want to make sure I'm doing what I need to do with my student athletes and to add this in. So the first six months of the pandemic, everyone's trying to figure it out. I got this extra time on my right. hands. But when things started to pick back up, No extra time. No extra time. (laughs) But I will say that, you know, Jamie was amazing in terms of just her support. She was an English major. So, you know, got a little extra help there in terms of in-home editor and advisor, of course. I mean, we both know that our wives are are great advisors. No doubt. No doubt. (laughs) If we just listened to them, (laughs) life would be so much easier. So it was a really arduous task, and I'm glad that journey is over, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm glad I did it. Well, I am too. Go out and get the book. It is Running Against the Odds. It says Official Coach Ambassador for Under Armour, New Degree Press. These are like official companies <laughs> with this, man. Tell us about New Degree Press and okay. the support of Under Armour, what you're doing with them. I'm in a program called Book Creators, a gentleman by the name of Eric Koster is a Georgetown professor, and he realized that there needs to be this extension of this Georgetown program to the community because I mentioned earlier that only 2% of writers actually complete their book. book. They finished the book. And out of that 2%, only 6% are of people of color. And so Eric has done a phenomenal job with book creators that has given me the opportunities, given me an immense amount of resources. I've had four editors with the program. I'm now with the marketing and revision editor as I'm finishing up this task with the book. And so when you finish up the writing side of everything, they push you over to New Degree Press, which is your publishing company. Mm. And the neat thing about it is after the initial pre-sales or the books that were sold during the pre-sales, I own 100% rights of the book. So it's a hybrid publishing program. And once it hits Amazon, I retain the 100% rights. That's big. I mean, yeah, that's really big. I know that a lot of authors struggle with that. That's awesome. And then Under Armour, 
they're loud and proud right on the cover of the book. Well, first and foremost, I mean, Pacers Running, you guys have just been amazing and believing in the things that I was doing with our youth and high school community. Under Armour wants to make that same splash into the youth community and dabble more into the running side of things. And so they got behind us. I'm at St. John's, which is Kevin Plank's alma mater, who's the founder of Under Armour. And he absolutely loves and adores his high school. And so Under Armour has rallied behind a lot of my initiatives. They support the coaching that I'm doing, and they just want to expand their reach on that youth and high school level. And so I am one of their ambassadors. Well, Julie, he's been active on social media recently, which is awesome. Follow him on Instagram. It's Coach Des Dunham. And I've really enjoyed that. Is that <laughs> you? I mean, you got to have somebody behind your kids, your <laughs> wife. Who's doing this? I have a phenomenal marketing team. Yeah, you do. I, I have a phenomenal marketing team. I've learned a lot on the <laughs> social media side. I just got on Instagram a little bit, maybe yeah. about a year ago. Yeah. Um, but that's been exciting. All right. So remind us again when the book officially drops. And, you know, for our listeners out there, is there an audio version? So, so the book officially dropped October 1st. Okay. However, in March, April 2022, we're going to have a hardcover audio book and wow. a Spanish translation. Wow. Spanish translation. Why Spanish translation? Well, we would love to uh, land this book in the upper middle school grades as well as the high school level. So it is developed with the idea that it will fit into an ELA curriculum and it's top heavy in SAT words amongst with the teacher's guide to accompany it and also to support deeper discussion. So, so this, you're kind of maybe thinking of this as a textbook-ish type deal? Textbook, required reading nice. um, on the high school level. Man, yes. Julie, <laughs> I never got good required reading like this. You know. Let's be honest, you never did your summer reading. So. Well, I skimmed them. <laughs> I skimmed them. That's true. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a book that is designed by a teacher and an educator, right? So the lessons and the stories, and then it's transcending all age groups language barriers. We're taking those down. So fantastic, Desmond. This is so cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, it's a great spot for us to follow your journey. It is wherever books are sold. It's running against the odds. It's out now as this podcast comes out here in early October. It is out now. So if you're not like Julian, didn't pre-order the book, go out and get one now. Again, the book is Running Against the Odds. It is an inspirational journey to making high school sports history. Man, thank you so much for joining us and kind of telling the story here today, Desmond. Great to see you in person, hey, man. Good to you see know, you. I can't wait for uh, what's next, whatever we do together <laughs> or, you know, what you got next coming, because I know this is not the end. I'm looking forward to it. Thank All you. Right, awesome. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Desmond Dunham. He is of Running Against the Odds. He's the author of that book. He's also the director of St. John's College High School, director of track and field and cross country there. He joined us on Pace the Nation. We'll take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program. And thanks again to Coach Desmond Dunham for joining us today on Pace the Nation. He is the director of track and field and cross country at St. John's College High School, the school that I guess we're going to send our kids to. 
Better start saving, Chris Farley. <laughs> got a ways to go. You got to go out and get the book. It's uh, running against the odds. We've talked about it a number of times here. Awesome story and inspiring guy. Really grateful that he's a friend of ours and part of our life, Julie. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many pieces he really expands upon in this book, elements of how he was raised and really what drove him and really who he is today because of those experiences. And I feel like he did an amazing job of just kind of scratching the surface today. Like, I want more. Like, I want the book. I have a feeling you're going to be asking me to read this book out loud to you. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, you're reading the book right, right. now? Would yeah. you mind just reading it out loud real quick? Yeah, most likely. That is probably the way I'll consume it. <laughs> All right. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with seven area D.C.-based locations. Pacers Running is for every run. Come to our website, runpacers.com, pacersrunning.com. Both of those URLs work. You can buy your latest in footwear, apparel, and accessories. And you know what? Let's try to get this book online as well so we can sell that on runpacers.com. Running Against the Odds by Desmond Dunham. All right. Well, thanks again to the great team here at Podville Media Studios. Our guy Rob behind the glass making things happen. For Julie Cully, I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace the Nation. We'll see you next time.